Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen. And we know that God will bless the reading of his inspired word to our hearts. Shall we bow in prayer? Our God and Father, we thank you for your precious word. We pray, O oh God, that you'll speak deeply into our hearts. And, o oh God, as we seek to share about the work and share from the word, O oh God, may you empower us this moment and may the Holy Spirit come upon us. And Lord, may we sense the power of God in this sanctuary, the very presence of God, that we might leave this missionary meeting never to be the same again, but that this might be a place of meeting with God. So, Lord, come to us. Aid us by your Spirit. May your great name be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think one of my greatest joys and privileges in life is to share what God is doing in his world. We hear so much of what wickedness and evil is doing and abounding across our world. But what a joy this morning to come and tell you what Jesus is doing. The Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And today I want in these moments that I have to tell you something of what God is doing as he's moving by his spirit and working in these days. As a mission, we seek to equip the church among the nations investing in the national believers and preparing them for missionary service. We seek to do that across the different regions that God has called us to, that is, to Central and Eastern Europe, where we've been serving for many years. The mission will celebrate 75 years next year. 24 years, God moved us into Central Asia. Six years ago, God opened the door into the Russian Far East, and two years ago, into Mongolia. We seek to serve God through our four established ministries that God has opened for us. That is training workers, sponsoring leaders, publishing literature, and distributing aid. Today, I want to walk you through some of these ministries. The third one I've already spoken to the children about, and that is providing literature, providing God's Word for the people of Central Asia. Please do pick up the leaflet on the stand about this, Bibles for Central Asia, and also the flyer on the Hope Centers, like Tariana and others who are caring for children. We'd appreciate your prayers for that ministry so much. Let me come to the first two ministries, training workers, sponsoring leaders. I want to bring you to a little country in Eastern Europe as I focus on these two ministries. Slavic Gospel Association have been serving God in the northern part of the Republic of Moldova, 
And right up there in the north, there is the city of Bells, which is the second largest city in the country. And that's where our ministry is focusing, and right over the northern part of the country, which is Russian-speaking. We thank God for the opportunities as we serve God. In this country, with a population of 2.6 million, a strong Orthodox country, and yet there are great opportunities to advance the gospel. And God has been doing that as we have been serving the Lord. This building is a very special building to us in the very center of the city. This is Bethel Church, where our, we've been operating from now for many years. Our Bible school is situated here. We thank God for the hundreds of students that have graduated over the years from our Bible school in the Republic of Moldova. Just back there in November, I had the wonderful joy of being there to celebrate 30 years of God's faithfulness as we have served and partnered with the believers in this country. One of the poorest countries in Europe economically, but God is working. The gospel is advancing. The national believers are hearing the call of God and serving God. And as a mission, it's a joy for us to stand by them and to support them over these 30 years. It was wonderful to hear from some of the graduates who joined us for the celebrations. I want to speak to you about two of the men that we're supporting because they've been in our Bible school, they've graduated, and now they're serving the Lord. And one of those is uh, Sasha Polischuk. Uh, the graduations are always a very special occasion. And while we were there for the 30th anniversary in November, it coincided with the graduation of the 15th group of students from our Bible school as they go out to serve the Lord. Sasha Polischuk is one of those students. He shared about uh, his partnership with SGA and what that has meant to him now over 24 years since he graduated from our Bible school. Sasha Polichuk is one of those men who has a passion for God. He has a great desire to share the gospel, and his longing is to advance the gospel in Moldova to reach the unreached communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so God has been helping him to plant churches over the years. Here is his main church building. It's up in Fronzi, which is a little town close to the border with Ukraine. Sitting on the steps of the church is his son with him. This is a very interesting building. During communism, this was a center to recruit people for the Communist Party. And in this very building, there was a statue to Lenin. Thank God today, where, where, where the statue to Lenin stood, stands the pulpit to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God that in this very building, people have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is moving and blessing the ministry of Brother Sasha Polischuk as not only has he established this church, but planting other churches to the glory of God. As a mission, we wanted to continue to help him. And so we sent out the money that he could purchase this van to take the evangelistic team to other areas to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a joy when I was there to hear Sasha sharing that he has just started to work in two communities where there are no believers, where the gospel has not reached, and his goal is to expand with the gospel, to advance the gospel, to see churches planted in those communities. Thank God for Sasha Polischuk. What a joy for us as a mission to have taught him in the Bible school, to support him financially over these years, to see what God is doing through the life and the ministry of this individual. Then I want to bring you to a brother who is one of our shortest term, most recently taken on to our leadership support program. This is Michael. Michael just graduated from our Bible school there in November. 
Michael has felt the call of God to a village on the Romanian border. Same situation, no believers, no church, no gospel witness. But he and his wife are serving the Lord and seeking to reach this village with the gospel. And I'm so glad, my friends, to report to you that already there are a couple of people who have come to faith. I'm not telling you about hundreds of people this morning, but aren't we thankful when God saves one and two and threes? And God has started to work through the ministry of Michael. Thank God there are a couple of people saved in the village. This morning they've been meeting to worship the true and the living God. A little work has been established there, and God is blessing the work of Michael. We're so thankful for the ministry that we have amongst our missionaries as we finance them. As the people in the United Kingdom and Ireland support missionary families, it might be in Orthodox Eastern Europe, it might be in uh, Islam-dominated Central Asia, or the pagan regions of Far East Russia. But my friends, God has his witnesses in these places. And as a mission, we're thrilled to be supporting over 200 missionary families as they serve God, as they reach out with the gospel. It was a joy for me to be back in Moldova just a couple of weeks ago. This time, I was there to welcome the 16th group of students to our Bible school. Our school is oversubscribed. We could not take all the people who wanted to come to be trained and equipped to serve God. Thank God for those who have joined us, and we pray for them, and that God will prepare them for future ministry. We thank God for our Bible schools. This is just one of them. We are teaching in several places. We thank God for the missionaries that we're supporting through the support of God's people in the United Kingdom and Ireland that makes this possible. But I want to cross the border from Moldova. I want to bring you into Ukraine. And this is our fourth ministry, Distributing Aid, as we seek to reach out and help people in a practical way. On the 24th of February, this war will be, have been raging. As I drove through Ukraine just before Christmas, the evidence of destruction and despair was very evident. I want to say today, friends, war is cruel. People have suffered so much, and when you sit with people that have lost so much, you realize afresh. The reality of the war is awful. But during my visit, something else came to my heart, and that was the power of God is amazing. Yes, the reality of the war is awful. I sat in the service one Sunday evening. This young man shared of how his father is fighting on the front line. Another young man who was participating in the service told us how his brother's on the front line. Another one shared of how his brother is recovering from injuries and getting ready to go back to the front line. The pastor was sharing how his 24-year-old son is involved in the war. Many young men from his congregation, he said, they're on the front line. He said, the Russians are surrounding them. They're in great danger. Parents were saying to us, please pray that my son will never be called to the front line. The reality of the war is awful. I think one of the most poignant moments for me was when I walked to the graveside with Marina and her husband, Vlad, to the grave where their only child is buried. Their son was killed on the front line. As we stood that winter's morning, reflecting and trying to enter into their grief and their sorrow. Marina began to share our God gave her a new ministry. We went back to the church. She spent a little while with us. And now she goes and she works amongst widows and mothers who have lost their sons, daughters who have lost their fathers. She sits with them. She weeps with them. She reads the word of God. She prays with them. 
she seeks to reach out to them. After 30 minutes talking to us, she said, I'm sorry, I have to leave you. I have to go to the cemetery. A military funeral is coming. She goes to every military funeral. She draws alongside the grieving family. She gets their contact details. She visits them. She invites them to the church. She special Bible studies for these people, bringing hope into a hopeless situation. As a mission, we're reaching out to the widows. God's word exhorts us to care for the widow. As a mission, we're supporting thousands of widows in Ukraine. And sadly, my friends, the numbers of widows are growing every day. Here is a dear widow, Katya, with her little daughter, Sophia. This little girl was born five months after its father was killed on the front line. Sophia has been suffering so, Katya has been suffering so much as she seeks to provide for her three children. But this is where the evangelical church is stepping in. As we send out money, the church takes the money and distributes it and cares for the widows. And here is what Katia said and how she described her life. I lost the dearest person to me and the father of my children. He loved us, and for the sake of a better future for our family, he went to fight and give his life as a hero. We miss him so much. But look at the second paragraph, which is so powerful. God revealed himself to me and my children through the love and the care of the local church. Without this support, I would have not survived. I lost my husband, but I give birth to a daughter. She's a good sign of hope and a future from God for me. Thank God for the evangelical church reaching out to these widows. A woman like Kathy who's found the Lord. <clears throat> She's found hope in this situation. The word of God exhorts us, my friends, to provide for the orphan. There's a mission we're providing for hundreds of orphans who are in family-type orphanages. War orphans who have suffered so much but are being cared for by believers who are reaching out and providing for them in these days. Families like this, where Victor and his wife are caring for these orphans from her son. What a joy to spend a little time with them. Three boys were not there. They were out in the woods. We went out to see them. They were filling a container with firewood to go back to the city of her son to provide heat for suffering people. That city has been bombed every day. Caring for the widow, caring for the orphan. God's word exhorts us to do that as we seek to reach out in these days. Urban Bible Seminary was hit with Russian missiles. The heat was so intense, the building was crumbling. But you know, as we think of the awfulness of the war today, the reality of the war that's awful, the power of God is amazing because in this very building, there was a library with 23,000 volumes. Many of them could never be replaced. And the, the power of God is amazing, my friends, because as that building was burning, there wasn't even the smell of smoke of a book in the library. Does not remind us of the book of Daniel? God's power is amazing. God preserved this library for a reason. And as I spoke to the vice president and the president of this Urban Bible Baptist Seminary, they shared with me and I realized why God preserved this library. You know, friends, today there are 888 students in Urban Bible Seminary preparing themselves for missionary service. This war is doing something amazing, my friends. God's people in Ukraine are surrendering themselves completely to God. Young people are coming to the Bible seminaries to serve God. Why? Their earthly belongings mean nothing anymore. 
a Russian missile could hit them at any moment. And so they're giving their lives to serve God and they're coming for training. This is just one of the Bible seminars. God is working by his spirit and the closer you go to the front line, the fuller the churches are. 90% of people packing churches are non-believers. Thousands are coming to faith in Christ. And as we work with the Baptist Union of Churches in Ukraine, their desire is to plant, and I'll say this slowly because it's beyond my comprehension, they want to plant 1,000 churches by the year 2036. This is a country in war and destruction and death and despair. But there's the advancement of the gospel. They'll need all these workers to fill the churches. You know, my friends, as I sat with God's people in Ukraine, their focus was on the gospel. Their desire was to reach their country with the gospel. We're supporting around 30, 35 church planters in Ukraine. This is what they're doing day after day as they serve God. Please pray for us. Please pray for the Bibles in Central Asia. Don't forget it, friends. Pray for the students in training as we prepare them for future service. Pray for our missionary families who are faithfully serving God and for the widows and the orphans that we provide for in Ukraine. Please pray for the pastors in Ukraine. So many of them said to me, Brother, we're just so tired. We're not sure how much longer we can keep going. In Lurgan Baptist Church, will you pray for them? Will you pray that God will renew their strength, that God will empower them as they go forward to advance the gospel in this country? Please pray for us as a mission. Do visit the stand, pick up some of the leaflets that are there. I would just mention this book that you can pick up tonight and pay for it some other time, Hope in the War Zone. Yes, my friends, this book describes the reality of the war that's awful, but also the power of God that's amazing. Just released a few weeks before Christmas. Five pounds for the book. The money goes back into the ministry in Ukraine. Please do pick up one of those books and come to the stand. I'll be here this evening. God willing, you can talk to me about the work. Maybe you'll have some questions to ask. And may together, may we see God doing great and mighty things in these days. Advancing the gospel. Pastor Igor Bandura, who's the vice president of the Baptist Union of Churches in Ukraine, spoke to some of the staff of SGA just a few days before the war began two years ago. And this is what he said. Wars and rumors of wars is not a reason to stop preaching the gospel. The gospel should be preached, and this is the main responsibility of the church. Subsequent visits to Ukraine, I found the attitude and the actions of God's people is focusing on advancing the gospel. And here we read about a man in the Word of God in Philippians chapter 1. His heartbeat and his desire was to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want us to notice, first of all, here the man with a priority for the gospel. We see that here in chapter 1, verse 12, and verse 13 of the book of Philippians. The advancement of the gospel was Paul's priority. This was more important to Paul than his own freedom. Paul had one supreme purpose in life, and that was to spread the gospel. Nothing else seemed to matter. After that encounter that he had with the Lord in the Damascus Road, everything else seemed to take second place. 
Paul's sole goal in life was to make Christ known. He had been driven by an overwhelming compulsion to travel to the earth's remotest bounds to make Christ known. Not only to Rome, but he wanted to go beyond Rome to Spain and to Gaul and to further afield. His plans for evangelism had been as wide as the world. And yet here we read concerning the Apostle Paul, he is in prison. The Word of God tells us he's in bonds or he's in chains. You know, many a person would have questioned God's ways and perhaps become embittered, but not Paul. Advancing the gospel was more important to Paul than his own freedom. And Paul writes this section of the letter to show the Philippians that his imprisonment is actually helping the cause of the gospel rather than hurting it. Because in verse 12, he tells us, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. His circumstances were difficult. But Paul the apostle had a priority, and that was for the furtherance of the gospel, the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said to the believers, the fact that I'm in chains, the gospel is prospering, and the gospel is going forth. We find here in verse 13 how he speaks of his bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. The palace guard was huge contingent of elite soldiers who served Caesar's bodyguard there in Rome. One of the responsibilities would have been to take turns guarding Paul, the prisoner. And so they were, Paul was chained to a, a prison officer. And of course, they changed every four to six hours. And Paul was having an opportunity to share the gospel with them. You know, whenever you read these verses, I don't think you get the sense that Paul is saying, I'm chained to a Roman soldier. I get the sense that he's saying, the Roman soldiers are chained to me. And Paul saw this as a wonderful opportunity. They were a captive audience. You know, Paul the apostle began a prison ministry right here in Rome. And his priority was for the gospel. My friends, nothing else seemed to matter to this man. This was his heartbeat that others would hear. And you know, Paul's imprisonment encouraged other believers to share the gospel boldly. We see that in verse 14. You would think that Paul being locked up would have created fear in the hearts of the believers. But the Word of God tells us that Paul locked up in prison sharing the gospel inspired other believers outside the prison to share the wonderful message of Jesus Christ. It had the opposite effect. And here was a man and his priority was the gospel. And these people, they were encouraged to speak the word of God fiercely. You know, friends, it takes courage to speak about Christ in this world. It always did. It always will. Why does it take courage? Because the world is opposed to the one true God, which is the center of the gospel that we proclaim. We live in the 21st century. We've got post-modern attacks attacking the gospel, buying into the view of no absolute. It proclaims a tolerant, all-inclusive universalism that does not confront sinners with their need to repent and believe the gospel. We have got the new perspective of Paul that undermines justification by faith alone, which is the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got religions all over the world that are promoting works as a form of Christianity and getting to know God. 
There's open theism that attacks the very sovereignty and the omniscience of God. And this is the world that we're living in. And my friends, it is a hard, it's a difficult world, but it was in Paul's day as well. And the message God wants us to get from this today is that the gospel will be our priority. That there will be one desire in our hearts, and that is to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe with the Apostle Paul, his enthusiasm produced enthusiasm. His zeal inspired zeal. And dear friends, may God raise up such people in our day, in our generation, that as we look at them, we will feel that heartbeat for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here we see that Paul the Apostle, the man with a priority for the gospel. You know, friends, it can be difficult. Some of us can be very timid, very shy. We can find it difficult to create a, a, a conversation. We, we can find it very challenging. Other people seem to be able to step out and do it with no problem and share the gospel. Other people maybe share it, but they just go so far because they're fearful of the resentment maybe of the people that they're sharing the, the gospel with. But isn't it wonderful, my friends, that Paul's example can put new backbone into all types of people? And that's exactly what was happening here. And there were people rising up to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The man with a priority for the gospel. But we also notice the man with a perspective for the gospel. We see that in verse 15 to verse 18. And here in verse 15, we have the word translated goodwill. See, advancing the gospel is more important to Paul than his own comfort. And so the goodwill he speaks, some people are doing it out of goodwill. To preach the gospel out of goodwill is to preach out of sincere desire for the well-being of others. But not all preachers were motivated by that desire. And Paul mentions them here. Some are preaching out of envy. They were jealous of Paul. They were envious of his success and his influence in the Roman church. Some were preaching out of strife. The, the word strife means rivalry here. It's, it's amazing how much envy, how, how much rivalry there is amongst God's people in the work of God. So there were mixed motives on part of those who were preaching Christ. Some were actually preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry. They were almost doing it against the Apostle Paul. You know, friends, it doesn't matter where we're from, our backgrounds, our missionary organization. If we're spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, then this is something wonderful. And that's the message that Paul is bringing here. Because he also says in verse 16 and 17 that there were those who were preaching for other reasons. And they were probably preaching it. They were probably making things even harder for Paul in the prison cell through their preaching. That's what Paul is saying here in verse 16 and 17. And yet in verse 18, what does Paul say? Here is his answer to all of this. He says, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. His perspective was, whoever is preaching the gospel... Wherever the gospel is going forth, whoever is doing it, if they're preaching the gospel, then I rejoice in that wonderful reality. May we rejoice today wherever the gospel is going forth. Reaching people 
building the kingdom of God, reaching out in this day and reaching our generation for Jesus Christ. Here we find the priority of the gospel. We find the perspective. Here is Paul thrilled that the gospel is going forth by whoever. By, and their motives were wrong. It's not that Paul was supporting their motives, but he was rejoicing that they were sharing the gospel. You know, friends, we come thirdly and very quickly to the passion that this man had for the Christ of the gospel. And I believe this is something that drove this man that made the priority of the gospel, the perspective of the gospel, because of the passion that the Apostle Paul had for the Christ of the gospel. Because when we come to verse 20, we read here that Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it's in my life, by life or by death. Paul's goal was a noble, daring ambition. He had a passion for the Christ of the gospel. He, he loved Christ. And he wanted to live as Christ lived. And he's saying here in verse 20, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether in my life or by death. By life or by death, Paul wanted to reflect the Lord Jesus so that the thoughtless world would be forced to observe Christ. Paul wanted to reflect Christ in his living, in what he was doing, in everything. You know, sometimes, friends, we sing that chorus, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him all through life's journey from earth to glory. All I ask is to be like him. Paul is saying here, I want to be like Jesus. I want to live like him. I want to speak like him. I want to react, react like him. So whether by life or by death, the world will see Jesus. That was what motivated the man. This was the passion of the man. George Truett was an American evangelist. He was walking up the street of the city of Dallas one day, and he was met by a young girl who looked at him and stared at him. As they passed by on the footpath, he was aware that she was still looking, and he stepped back and approached her, and he said, should I know you? And she said, no. And he said, do you know me? And she said, no, I don't know you. And he said, why are you staring at me? And she said, you remind me more of Jesus than anybody that I've ever met. Friends, as we walk down the street of Lurgan tomorrow, will we remind somebody of Jesus? Paul the Apostle had a passion for the Christ of the gospel. He wanted his very life to live it out. And then he says in verse 21, and my friends, this sums it all up for me this morning. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ. You know, everybody lives for something or someone. Many people, if they're being honest, they would sum up their goals in their life as for me to live is possessions. For, for me to live is pleasure. For, for me to live is position. For, for me to live is popularity. For, for me to live is power. For, for me to live is prestige. My friends, will we all join with the Apostle Paul in this missionary meeting and say, for me to live is Christ? I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to be preoccupied with Christ. We can be so preoccupied with business, with family, with pleasures, with prosperity, with plans. Don't we need to get back to our preoccupation with God? For, for me to live 
is Christ. George Mueller was asked the secret of a service for God, that man who looked after orphans in Bristol. He said, there was a day when I utterly died. As he spoke, he bent lower until almost touched the floor. He said, I died to George Mueller, his opinions, his preferences, his tastes and will. I died to the world, its approval or censor. I died to approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I've studied to show myself approved to God. You know, friends, as we look here at the Apostle Paul, we can see what God could do through the life of one man. Was it D.L. Moody, the great American evangelist? And he was asked one day, the world has yet to see what God can do with one man who is fully surrendered to him. And Moody replied that day, he said, I will be that man. You know, not only did he win thousands to Christ, but set in motion influences that have won thousands since his death. Friends, we're looking at what God can do through one man. Let's put a little further. Let's think what God could do through this entire congregation. For for me to live is Christ. This is what motivated the Apostle Paul. This is why this man had such a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, whenever we examine our lives today, and we're in a missionary meeting, I think this is your 59th missionary convention. This missionary convention has been planned, and it's an annual event, and I'm sure it's planned with much thought that people will be able to come and think of the world that needs Jesus, to focus on the world that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we sit in this missionary meeting this morning, dear friends, are we in that place and at that place with God where we say, for me to live is Christ? It's Christ. You, whenever I meet the people in Ukraine, and I've sat with them and I've wept with them and I've heard their stories and their situations, and yet to sense that their heartbeat is for God and for the gospel. You know, there are those who are passing on to glory. We think of Maud Kells, we think of Dr. Bill Woods, and others who would have said, for me to live is Christ. May this be a day when we'll come afresh to God. We'll give him all that we have. And dear friends, at the advancement of the gospel will be everything for us. And that God will take us and use us.